Hi, lovely lady. Welcome to 500 Seconds to Joy. I am your host, Stephanie Clarice, and this is a short, encouraging podcast for moms who want to love God, love his holy word, and love their family. How does that sound? Are you ready to start your 500 Seconds to Joy? Then let's dive into today's episode. Hi friends, welcome to the podcast. I'm Stephanie. This is 500 Seconds to Joy. It's an honor to have you here today. I'm joined by a powerhouse of an author and speaker, Gary Thomas, and he has so many books. Seriously, go to GaryThomas.com and check it out. So many books, and a few of them are devotions for sacred marriage, devotions for sacred parenting, Um, A Lifelong Love, Loving Him Well, um, Sacred Marriage, Sacred Parenting, Sacred Pathways. Okay, you get the point. So many books. He's such an inspiration and an encouragement. And his newest book is called Making Your Marriage a Fortress, Strengthening Your Marriage to Withstand Life's Storms. It comes out today, October 4th, 2022. I'm so excited. Yay! Happy launch day, Gary. I'm really excited for you. This is a great book. I read it and it is really good, friends. If you are in need of a marriage book, go grab it. Making Your Marriage a Fortress. And you don't need to be struggling to make your marriage a fortress. Actually, that's the point. And Gary talks about that. It's good to prepare for life storms ahead of time when you're not in a crisis situation. And today we're going to be talking about finances. Now, I know this can be a hot topic. I know it can be hard to think about money and talk about it. And it's one of the big, um, I guess, arguments in a marriage. It can be difficult. So just ask the Holy Spirit to speak with you in the way you need to be spoken to. Maybe share this with a friend. Maybe you can listen to it with your spouse. I'm really hoping and praying that men and women can listen to this podcast episode. I think it could bless marriages. I really believe Gary has a lot to share. And we're going to start with a meditation on scripture, of course, before we hear from Gary. And I'm just going to briefly read this scripture passage. I'm not going to take too long. I'm just going to give it a few minutes for you to just meditate on what God wants to speak to you today. And then we'll hear from Gary Thomas. Again, you can go grab his book, go to GaryThomas.com, the links in the show notes, or go wherever you like to get books. And his newest book is called Making Your Marriage a Fortress, Strengthening Your Marriage to Withstand Life Storms. With all of that said, let's get into the meditation and then we'll hear from Gary Thomas. Luke chapter 21 verses 1 to 4. He looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the treasury. And he saw a poor widow put in two copper coins. And he said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty put in all the living that she had. I'm going to read it again. Luke chapter 21 verses 1 to 4. He looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the treasury. He meaning Jesus, friends. And he saw a poor widow put in two copper coins. And he said, truly, I tell you, this poor widow 
has put in more than all of them, for they all contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty put in all the living that she had. What does God want to speak to you personally today? What is he saying to your heart? Slow down and listen. He wants to speak to you in a special way. He loves you so much. He's not condemning you. He's full of love and mercy for you. Take a few moments to be with him. Gary, welcome to 500 Seconds to Joy. Thank you for having me, Stephanie. You are so welcome. I don't have too many men on the podcast, so you're one of the lucky few, and I'm excited, everybody, to welcome Gary Thomas to you. And he's written um, more than one book, but today we are focusing on his newest book, and this is called Making Your Marriage a Fortress, Strengthening Your Marriage to Withstand Life Storms. And if anyone here listening is married, they will know the storms come whether we like it or not. (laughs) So I love the topic of this book, um, really protecting our marriage. I like the imagery of a fortress. I think that is just beautiful. Um, And so let's just start big picture before we get into the nitty gritty of finances and marriage. Um, Let's talk about this overall view of why you believe it's important to make our marriage a fortress. Well, Stephanie, we don't live in a world that is kind to marriages. We just don't. There are so many assaults, some of our own making, others outside our relationship. It can be health issues. It could be child issues. It could be vocational issues. It can be financial issues. It could just be opposition from others. And so recognizing that storms will hit, I I open up the book by telling the story of how my wife and I, when we first moved to Texas, we now live in Colorado, but when we first moved to Texas, we kept hearing about these warnings about storms coming and we thought, oh, you know, we've heard it. The first few years we took it seriously, but after five, six years of that, this is just crazy. And then when they started to talk about Harvey, we thought, well, it's going to be just like it. And then it was one of those once in every thousand year storms. And all I had to try to help our house from not flooding it was so pathetic. I had a little bit of blue painter's tape and cardboard, which will do nothing to help a house <laughs> that has rising waters. It just told me how the same thing in marriage is that you see other couples go through difficult times and they get this hit and that hit and that hit. And you think, well, we'll figure it out when we get there. But the notion is that we're invited to say, well, why don't we make our marriage a fortress now so that when the storm hits, because it will, if it hasn't, it's it's going to, how do we make it a refuge? How do we make marriage part of the solution instead of part of the problem? Because if the storm hits and it takes your marriage with you, that becomes the biggest assault of all. Yeah, that's so true. And you're right, the family, it feels like the culture is just attacking the family. And at the root of the family 
at, at the core is the marriage, the bond between husband and wife. Absolutely. And, and so I think our, our culture gets it backwards in that, you know, the marriage is just uh, for fun and it's to make each other happy all the time. And if you're not happy, forget about it, throw it away. Um, it's like that throwaway culture sort of mentality. And I think a lot of the listeners here um, disagree with that cultural trend. And so I feel like we don't have to, you know, talk about that too much. Everybody knows that there's an issue with our culture in terms of, you know, the sanctity of marriage and family life. But I do think that this idea of making your marriage a fortress and getting ready for storms that will come, I think that's an important thing to focus on before we get into the nitty gritty of, of finances and marriage, because I do think at least for myself, um, when I first got married, it was like, well, we get along so well, like, what's the problem? And, you know, what could we possibly even argue about? I mean, not that we didn't have arguments when we were dating, but we just kind of felt like, well, everything's going to be fine and we're doing everything right. I think that's um, maybe a wrong way to think, like I'm doing everything right and I'm following God. So life is going to be easy, right? Like life is going to go smoothly. Um, those storms happen to other people, not us. And so can you just speak to that really quickly about, you know, this idea of realizing that the storms will come? We just don't quite know what our particular storm will be in our marriage, but it will come. Well, we're not fond of embracing all of scripture's promises. Uh, yeah. We like the positive promises, but there are also the promises mm -hmm. of Jesus saying, in this world, you will have trouble. Or the apostles saying in the book of Acts, through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. And so the Bible does forewarn us. Um, again, it might be a hostile culture. I do think there's a systemic hostility toward people of faith that is growing um, it could be our own sin. We have Peter telling us that Satan is like a roaring lion prowling around looking for someone to devour. And it's just, if you know a storm is coming, let's just sort of fortify the walls. Here's an example of a husband who got into a, it, it's a sordid story. I mean, he had a sexual addiction. It was terrible. He was finally exposed and he took repentance seriously he got into professional counseling. He was working through recovery. He was in 12-step groups. He, he went through uh, lie detector tests that his wife could find out. I mean, he, he really took this seriously, got victory. 18 months later, their daughter got leukemia. And both he and his wife say, if he hadn't put his house in order, our marriage would have been destroyed because I, apparently over 70% of couples who face a life-threatening illness to their child like that do end up divorced. And he admits, I wouldn't have been able to be there for my wife. I wouldn't have been able to be there for my daughter. The addiction sucked up so much strength. Now, while everything seemed pleasant and kind and they had affluence and nobody was really sick, he could hold this addiction on the side. But when life storms really hit, he realized I couldn't have done both. And so I say to couples, okay, you might have a rather superficial relationship with God, but will that hold you up when 
when the charges come, you, you might have a somewhat distant relationship with your spouse where you're pleasant with each other and you keep together. But if there's a huge hurricane that comes through, will you run toward each other? Will you turn on each other? And so it's recognizing, let's just become stronger as people. Let's go deeper in the Lord so that when the hurricane hits, we have what we need to keep our family together. Because again, and I, I really think Stephanie, all those who follow you, this is their heart's desire. They wouldn't be following you. They, Their marriage matters. Their family matters. They don't want their children to grow up in a broken home. And so this is sort of a way of shoring up the walls. Kids, I'm doing this for you so that when it happens, you're going to find our marriage to be a safe, secure place of intimacy, security, and strength not something that makes you feel like now everything is falling apart. Mm -hmm. That's so true. Yeah. And kids do pick up on it. And so, you know, for the moms listening, pouring into our marriage and focusing on our marriage and making it a priority is an act of love toward our spouse, but also toward our children because, they they see that interaction and there are so many subtleties and it's interesting even my five-year-old if my husband and I are having a tense conversation she's very concerned yeah she asks about it you know what's going on mom and dad and and we you know have to reassure her it's okay we're having this discussion and I would say that one of the biggest discussions in our marriage is finances so Selfishly, I chose this topic because I was like, I want to talk to Gary about this. But no, really, I know it's a big issue for many couples. I know that money um, can just, you know, have not having enough of it or having a bunch of it. Um, it doesn't really matter. Like you talk about in this chapter about faith and finances, you talk about how, you know, Elon Musk is the richest man in the world, but he's been divorced twice and semi-separated from this unmarried relationship with a third woman. So just because you have money doesn't mean like it makes your marriage smooth and easy. So let's talk about this idea of your, your subtitle for this chapter is using money to draw you closer rather than pulling you apart. And maybe for somebody who's in the thick of it right now, they just can't even believe that would be possible. Like how could money draws closer together. It's just a source of, you know, arguments and there's, it's just a point of contention. So can you share about, um, just this broad idea of really using money to draw, have couples draw closer together and then share that the story about one of these couples, because I love that you share real life examples in this book. It's just so powerful to learn from these real married couples in your book. Oh, that's what I, I did, Stephanie. The, the the book is filled with that. I've written so many other marriage books. I feel like I've said what I could say. And this one, I was more like a journalist who went to these couples who wisely faced some of life's most difficult challenges. And he said, teach me what you've learned. Show me the wisdom you've understood. And there are two couples uh, in this chapter, one that's still really dealing with financial deprivation, one that's on the other side. But I could particularly relate to her story uh, that I opened the chapter with because I used to do this, reading menus from right to left, i.e. you look at the price and then you look at what's being offered. And she was humiliated at this point because she was with her family members. She thought, man, can I just get by just eating off of my kids' meals or whatnot? 
and and she didn't want her parents or her siblings to know just how bad it was. In this case, her dad picked up the check, so everything was okay. But what led to this was, you know, what we, we talked earlier, where there just was really a disconnect between her and her husband about where their financial situation was. So they got to the point where they owed $40,000 and they earned $35,000 a year. They were over a year's income in debt. And it was calling for drastic sacrifices and whatnot. But what drew them together, Stephanie, First, I had to deal with the anger, and we can get into that because often with finances, anger is there, and there's a verse that gets so misunderstood that I, I hope we have time to get into that. But to answer the, the bigger question, they faced this challenge together. Once they got past the anger, once they got to the forgiveness stage, it was like two teammates, like a doubles team in tennis or something saying, all right, you take the net, I take the backcourt, here's what we're going to do. And so when they were able to climb out of debt, it took them years. But when they were, that sense of satisfaction was so overwhelming. It's not we did this. It's we did this together. You and I, it, we talked about it. We planned. We prayed. We worked. And so when they finally got out of debt, her her, her initial humiliation was at an Outback restaurant. It's not like they were at this huge Ruth's Chris or really expensive steakhouse. They were out in Outback, and that's what embarrassed her. So she said, all right, we paid off the last debt. We are officially debt-free. So they went back to Outback and paid cash, and she got the filet mignon. And it was delicious because she knew it's not going on the credit card. We're paying cash. We're okay. And it was sort of a way of just celebrating God, saying, you brought us to a new place, and we're so grateful. But it was a lot of work. Yes, it is a lot of work. I had <laughs> Personally, I had student loan debt that I had to pay off, and it was blood, sweat, and tears. I mean, it is painful, and there's a lot of self-sacrifice. And I do think when you do that with your spouse, you're both sacrificing together for an end, you know, getting out of debt or um, saving for a vacation or whatever it is, like when you're in it together, that teammate mentality. I know that in my marriage, that's what I've noticed really draws us together is is coming together and having the same goal, the same end goal. So let's say a couple listening doesn't have the same end goal in mind. Like, what would you say to them? That just is sort of coming to me right now, because I bet there are people listening who have certain goals in their mind, but their spouse is not on board with it. So what do they do in that situation? I think that's the first place to start, Stephanie. If one doesn't mind being in debt, I don't think you'll ever get out of debt. I think there has to be a commitment. And the reason I'm so into living debt-free is really what you're doing is you're buying your time. You don't have to stay in a position where you don't think you're being used as God would have you be used because you can afford to go elsewhere. You're not, I, I think what might surprise people is that you can actually think about money less when it's well-managed. When my wife and I felt buried under debt, we were actually probably more materialistic and that we had to think about it every time. Can we afford to do this? Can we afford to do that? And, and we were talking about money more than I wanted to talk about it. When we were able to climb out of it, we were able to talk about other things and enjoy other things and not worry about it so much. So I, I do encourage couples to understand the freedom that a debt-free life can bring, even though I know to some, it sounds impossible. Now, it might seem awkward for me as an author to be promoting someone else on this, but 
as a pastor, I've seen so many couples that were helped by Dave Ramsey Financial Peace University. One of the couples I talk about in this chapter found great help there. I think he can present the vision and I think he can give the practical steps. If couples really want to address this, I'd encourage them to go to their church and say, hey, let's consider doing a, a thing with Financial Peace University because it really has been effective for so many couples to figure out how to climb out of debt and to give them hope and practical steps to do that. I totally second that. I think Dave Ramsey is a genius and just has such a great way of presenting things. And it could be like a neutral third party. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm not saying this. Here's Dave Ramsey saying this. So you can get angry at him. And let's yes. segue into anger, actually, because I like how you really break down Ephesians 4.26 and yes. this whole idea of not letting the sun go down on your anger, um, in your anger, do not sin. You know, there's a lot in scripture that could get misused. Right. And so yeah. let's specifically look at Ephesians 4:26 and, and let us know how this applies to financial discussions in marriage. Well, in both cases of both couples, we talked about, there was some anger when they both realized how bad things were. They weren't communicating. And I would say that's really one of the takeaways for your listeners with this segment. It's essential that you both know what's happening financially. Now, my wife does almost all the management of our finances. She could be building a chalet in Switzerland and I might not know about it. I can't spend a hundred dollars <laughs> without awesome. her knowing about it, you know, and, and I'm happy. With I'm that. you in the marriage. I'm yeah. you and <laughs> my husband is your wife. <laughs> but but we do have these quarterly meetings where she's saying, okay, here's where we're at with investments and savings because we're, you know, much further down the road than most of your listeners. Here's where we're at with giving. Here's where our expenses are and whatnot. And so that's that's worked out fine because my I'm have been the revenue earner for our marriage. So I'm just focused on bringing it in. She's managing. So that works. But you need to know, even if you're not managing you need to know. And what happened with both couples when they didn't, that's what created the anger. And, and so often you, you want to make sure the finances lead you toward each other, not to turn on each other. And this verse, it was misunderstood that, that one of the couples had to get over was Ephesians 4, 26 through 27. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. And so they think, they, they found out late in the evening what's going on and they're arguing and arguing and arguing. It's getting later and later and later and things are getting worse and worse and worse. Well, we can't let the sun go down. Well, first, the sun had already gone down. And second, this is from the wisdom literature. In your anger, do not or do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. Paul's quoting Psalm 4.4. And the wisdom literature in scripture is general truisms. It's not legalistic commands. And, and any Jew, and Ephesians was written to a largely Jewish community, any Jew would know that there were certain things that had to be done before the sun went down. You had to pay your workers. You had to do this or that. It was just part of the law that you don't delay what needs to be done. The sun is sort of a marker. And so it's, it's general principled advice, but not a legalistic command because there are three parts of this. It's saying don't sin in your anger. Don't let the sun go down while you are angry and don't give the devil a foothold. So it's not just one, it's three. You don't want to give the devil a foothold. And if you're arguing and tired and hungry, 
by all means, get a good night's sleep, wake up, have your cup of coffee, maybe a bagel, and then deal with it again. You're not sinning against this. What you're saying is, okay, we don't want to sin in our anger. If we keep arguing, we're going to. And we don't want to give the devil a foothold. So we're not going to put it off forever. We're not going to pretend it's not an issue. We might need a day. We might need two days. Maybe we just need a couple hours or I need to go for a good run or you go for a bike ride or whatever you do to recuperate. But then we come back and we deal with it. Um, because it, two angry people often need to deal with their anger before they can deal with the issue. Yes. Let me say that again. Two angry spouses often need to deal with their anger before they can deal with their issue because you don't want it to become an attack. But okay, we're in a tough place. How do we get out of this together? And together is the key word. It doesn't matter in one sense, it doesn't matter who did the worst damage because it's like you're in a canoe and you're saying, well, your, your half is sinking, fix it. Well, if they're half is sinking, you're both going to go down, all right? In a marriage, you're one. How do we get the water out of the canoe? How do we start paddling in the right direction? What do we do so that we can look at this as something that has to be done? Yeah, that's so good. And I just want to quote another scripture verse you include in this chapter, which is Colossians 3.13. Bear with one another and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And wouldn't you say that a lot of financial strife, there needs to be some sort of forgiveness there, maybe on both ends, or maybe just with one spouse toward the other. Maybe one of the spouses has been irresponsible with money and the one who's responsible needs to forgive. And um, how, you know, how could you just encourage the couples listening? I'm hoping that couples listen together um, and can just have a really open and honest conversation about this. And how, how can you encourage them? Just, just wrap it all up here for us, just about staying strong in the Lord and and really turning to scripture while while fortifying you know our our fortress really building that fortress fortifying our marriage for for when that hard, those hard times will come and maybe someone listening is going through the hard time right now what would you say to these couples keep in mind your marriage matters more than your credit statement your marriage matters more than your debt your marriage matters more than your bank account and so don't sacrifice your marriage to express your frustration with your credit statement, your, your lack of money or, or whatnot. Ultimately, your marriage matters more. And, and I know I'm talking to a lot of wives. And there was one wife, we haven't talked about her yet, Emma, who they got into just severe financial straits. And what she did, wives who are listening, was so wonderful and impactful. And it's why they have such a rich marriage. Her husband had made millions, and then the economy hit twice. In, in Southern California, in around 2008, when the housing market just collapsed and he had a lot of that, then he spent his time climbing out of debt, and then COVID hit, and it just about buried him until finally they got to the point from having given away millions of dollars. I mean, they had paid tuition for missionary families and what. They'd given away hundreds of thousands of dollars, and now they were going to have to sell their home and rent a home 
from one of their children. I mean, it was as humiliating for him as you could imagine. At a stage in life when he thought he would still be giving away money, and now not only can they not afford their home, they're having to rent from one of their kids and just all of that. And one of her friends was talking as they moved into their new smaller home that they were now renting from their son, started talking about the purchase and whatnot. And Emma found a way without lying to not demonstrate that actually they weren't buying the house, that they were renting it. And I talked to her about it and she said, look, a lot of people view a man's worth through his ability to earn. Now, my husband has earned a lot and I know it's humiliating. I know some people will look down on, man, he must have messed up or he isn't following the Lord or they didn't tithe. I mean, they gave enormous amounts of money. They did far more than tithing. But she said, I wanted to protect him. I knew he was vulnerable. I know he felt humiliated, but this is how I could protect him. And then she encouraged him. She started reading Psalm 23 and she said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. She says, I will be protected because God is my God, not because my husband is my provider. And so she was able to encourage her husband and protect her husband instead of turn on her husband. It's why they have such a rich marriage. Even if your husband had messed up, James 3.2 James 3, 2 says, we all stumble in many ways. And maybe you stumbled financially or your husband stumbled financially, but it's recognizing, okay, how do I forgive? As we said, how do we deal with the anger? And then how do I still honor and respect him? It, it doesn't mean, Stephanie, there may not be consequences. If somebody's going crazy with the credit card, eventually you got to cut up the credit card. But when things have been dealt with, it's not finding fault, it's finding the solution, it's finding faith, it's running to the Lord and running together. Because in the end, if financial scarcity pulls your marriage apart, the wrecking of the marriage will be a bigger issue than your bank account. You can always earn more money, but when you tear apart your kid's home, that, that's for life. You're so right, Carrie. That is so wise. I appreciate you sharing um, all of that biblical wisdom too, because we do need to be anchored in the Lord and that will sustain us. I mean, that that is our fortress. It really is. It's starting with God. And so just thank you for your time. Thank you for everything you've shared in the book. And I, I'm grateful to all the couples who have agreed to share their stories because these are real stories of real people mm -hmm. and real suffering, real struggle and real, you know, triumph and God gets all the glory for that. So I'm, I'm so grateful for your book, making your marriage a fortress. And can you just close us in prayer? Yes. Yeah. Father, I know there are some women out there that were terrified before they listened to this and they didn't realize your care for them would mean that this would be exactly what they needed to hear. I pray the first thing they would hear, Lord, is one of the last things we said, that you are their shepherd. You care about their home even more than they do, and you are able to provide, and you are able to guide. You're able to give the power to forgive, the power to confront, the power to say no, to sacrifice, to get out of debt. So I just pray that this would feel like a spiritual hug to every listener that you know, you hear, you see, and you're able to lift us out of the pit into a place of those green pastures, pastures that you want to lead us to. Thank you, Lord, for Stephanie's care and concern in reaching out. 
to these listeners, and I just pray you would bless her own home as she seeks to serve so many others. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to Mom's podcast. Thanks for listening to Mom's podcast. Thanks for listening today, friend. I'm so grateful to have you here as part of the 500 Seconds to Joy community. And if you love what you heard here, please share it with a friend. Let's build up the body of Christ and spread joy and love to more Christian families just like you. Until next time, I am so grateful to have you here and I am praying for you and your family. Bye for now. Bye for now. Bye for now.